Thank you, Peter. Shall we pray together? So, Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds, and shape our identity in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What's happening in heaven now? It's a really good question, isn't it? What's happening in, in heaven now? And last week we got a glimpse as to what was happening in, in part of heaven in chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Revelation. And we saw how John's vision that he saw, it kind of moved into this new phase. Kind of like it took him away from the Isle of Patmos and the hills and the valleys of Asia Minor. And he's transported, isn't he, like through the curtain and an open door into heaven. And he describes heaven and everything that he sees in terms of this great throne room. And everything that John then says about heaven in chapters 4 and 5 is all in relation to this great throne room. So if you, if you weren't here last week and you, you missed that, you can catch up about what all these images represent behind me and in front of me and around me, basically. You can, it's one of the great things of online church, isn't it? We can, we can catch up if we're not here. And we can, we can keep up with, with, what's, with what's going on. So this morning we're going to move on into chapter 6 and move into chapter 7. And chapter 6 kind of takes us to a new place, but the reason I've kept it all out is because chapter 7 we end up back here, if you like, where we, where we started from. And if you remember last week when there was the 24 elders and the four living beings and they were joined by myriads of, of, of angels. Think of that great Charles Wesley hymn. And then they were joined by all creation in heaven and earth, worshipping God and the Lamb on the throne. And I said last week that, that there was a scroll, a scroll that had seven seals on it that was going to be really important as John's vision continues. The scroll represents, if you like, God's, if you like, end game plan for how he's finally going to destroy sin and evil. And we read that nobody was worthy in heaven to open up the scroll. Nobody was worthy to open it until Jesus appeared as the lamb that was slain. He was the only one worthy because it was by his death on the cross, the lamb that was slain, that he's worthy to open each of these seals that reveal, if you like, the purpose of God for how he'll finally restore all of creation to himself. And what we see in these middle chapters, if you like, of the book of Revelation is we, we see, and I've given you one of those like cartoon drawings, one of these wonderful things that comes from the Bible project. You know, you can find one of these for each of the books in the Bible. And if you've, if you've never watched them, do watch them, basically. Because what they tell us is they start with a blank piece of paper and they draw it. 
And you can find this for each of the books of the Bible. You need to watch it a few times, but you start, it starts to help you. And so what we have this morning is, is we have, sort of like running through chapter 6, you hear about a scroll with seven seals. Later in the book of Revelation, you'll hear about seven trumpets and then seven bowls. The seals on the scroll, the trumpets and the bowls, they're all signs of God's judgment on sinful humanity. And as we look at the scroll this morning, we heard read four of the seals being broken. We'll look at six of the seven because the seventh seal isn't broken until later in the book. But we read, don't we, that the first seal is broken, the second seal is broken, the third seal is broken, the fourth seal is broken. And what appears is kind of like Four mysterious horsemen, doesn't it? Riding different coloured horses. There's one riding a white horse, one riding a red horse, one riding a black horse, and one riding a pale green horse. And they kind of just cause carnage, don't they? Wherever they go. They just cause, cause carnage. And they're famously known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And... Kind of like, we might be thinking, well, who are they? What do they represent? Well, clearly they're, they're not like four horsemen are just going to appear, basically, at different times. They're, they're clearly signs, clearly symbols of, of God's judgment. And also we need to realize they're not like sequential. It's not like the man with the white horse appears, then the red horse, and so on. From there, it's one of the weaknesses sometimes in writing. They're continuous. As to what they represent, well, perhaps they were just as much around in John's day as they are in our day. Let's see if we can think about it for the moment as the kind of like the, the first seal is, is broken and we read that the man on the white horse is, is given permission to conquer, to just go around conquering everywhere. Kind of, we think possibly of situations where nations have just decided that they should just go and try and conquer another one. Just as much around today as in John's day. And then we think about the man on the red horse who's just invited to kind of like and permitted to take peace from the earth and kill and slaughter. And we think of like, just like violence and how many, so many people are just not at peace in our world and in countries. And then we think about, about the third seal and the, the man on the black horse that's just allowed to create havoc through poverty. We could say famine and economic hardship. And we think, well, they were just around as much around in John's day as ours. And then we think about the, the fourth seal and the fourth seal being, being broken. And that's just, well... That's just the catalogue of death, isn't it? With Hades following behind. If you don't know what Hades is, it's, it's the place of the dead and it's just like, kind of like a horrific scene. And we look at these, these four seals being broken. Like a terrifying idea of John's vision. And then what we didn't hear broken was the fifth and the sixth seal. You see, what happens when the fifth seal's broken is it actually 
takes us back here. Because this throne room is actually a picture of the heavenly temple. It's actually mirroring, if you like, the earthly temple. Remember I said, everything that kind of John sees just about, and all he talks about, all has its home in the Old Testament. And so he sees this fifth seal being broken, and he gets a picture into the, underneath the altar. And underneath the altar behind the throne, he sees Christians. Christians who've, who've died for their faith, who've been martyred for their faith. And it, it reminded me, wasn't it, in John's day that Tertullian said it, wasn't it? It was the blood of the martyrs that was the seed of the church. The only reason the church changed the world was because it was persecuted so much and they killed so many Christians. And it reminds me still today, the most persecuted people in the world doesn't matter what race you are, doesn't matter what gender you are, what sexuality you are, what religion you are, the most persecuted people in the world are Christians. And so these, these five seals are just as much being around in John's day and they were around in ours day. And then the sixth seal comes off. And the sixth seal, if you go home and, and read it, it's kind of like events that are just so catastrophic. So cataclysmic, almost like so seismic, that we, that we kind of left thinking, if we survive it, it, well, it's the end of the world as we know it. You know, we've seen some of those events in our lifetime. And we just can't put it into words, can we? And that's what happens when the, when the sixth seal is broken. And it's just scenes of just awful when you picture them. And it could be left like those who are still standing when the sixth seal is broken and it appears like everything is going wrong. It can appear like, well, who can stand this? Who can stand this, this, this onslaught? And what we need to remember is this. This isn't the contents of the scroll. These are just the seals being broken. Because that comes later in the book, the contents of the scroll, and also the seventh seal being broken. But perhaps as we, as we, as we think about this, and just park the scroll for a minute, we might want to think, well, is there any hope? You know, should we be fearful at, at, these, at these sites? And what does it mean? And as I was looking at it, and as I was reading the text, what I, what I noticed about these, these four horsemen is that they're, they're limited, aren't they? They're limited in their powers. They're not all powerful. They can only go in certain places, like, like a reference to a quarter of the earth or a fourth of the earth. And they only come when one of the four living creatures that we saw last week invited them. To come. They're permitted. And then the other thing I noticed as I was reading something of Bishop Tom Wright said about this last week, that the only people who should fear the wrath of the Lamb are those who consistently and determinedly refuse to listen to his call of love and just resist it. 
And we, we don't like necessarily talking about, about judgment. And I was thinking, why don't I like talking about judgment so much? Or why don't I like it so much? And then a little word said to me, probably because your own justice is so unjust. And we've never met the one or seen the one necessarily who judges so perfectly because there's only one, the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then John's vision takes another move forward. And as, as, as Peter read for us, he's back in the throne room. And he's, he's back in the throne room and lots of these characters again, the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they're, they're still there. And then he sees a sight. Well, he hears a sight first, doesn't he? He hears 144,000 faithful Jews, 12,000 from each of the tribes. You can, have, you can have fun looking at the tribes because you look at the 12 tribes and you think, they're not the original 12 tribes. It's changed somewhere. Why has it changed? But you will spend time, if you want, baffling about that. But John heard 144,000 faithful Jews. But then what John saw was a great multitude. And here's one of the things in, in, in John's visions. Do you remember how we said last week? Nobody could open the scroll. And then it was announced that only the Lion of Judah could open the scroll, which obviously is a reference to Jesus. And then when John sees Jesus, he sees Jesus as the Lamb that was slain, bearing the marks of crucifixion. It's as if what John sees and what John hears, it's the same but from different perspectives. And that's really important as we look at this 144,000 and the great multitude. They're the same group of people. But the great multitude doesn't just include however many faithful Jews, but now includes Christians from every tribe and language and people. And we read that they, that they gather before the throne, don't they? In white robes with a golden crown on and now they've got the the palm branches that you can imagine would have happened on Palm Sunday. And they're singing, salvation belongs to our God. Who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And then all the angels join with them. With the elders and with the four living creatures. And they fall on their faces before the throne and worshipped God singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever.